like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And I'm Cash. She's Tango. We're here to review Tango and Cash from 1989 as we move to our second movie of the Bromance Month of February 2021. We are excited to to work through these bromances. Um, it turns out I thought I'd seen Tango and Cash. I'd only seen parts of it. I don't think I'd ever seen the entirety of it. Um, different movie than I was thinking it was going to be. I, I got to admit something too. Turner and Hooch, Tango and Cash. Mix them up in my head all the time. I oh, totally no. thought we were watching a dog movie, but nope, no dog. Um, but, you know, we'll get to our review in a few minutes. Before we do that, Corey and I like to catch up with what we've been, uh, you know, just how life's been and what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how's it going? Snowpocalypse 2021. Mm. Corey has been sending me pictures all day of her snow. It's just like nonstop uh, up there in Idaho. <laughs> it got so heavy on the fence that it all fell down. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. And my grandmother said that she saw in the news that we're getting three to five inches today, or we're supposed to, and I totally can see it. Thank goodness it's not, like, sticking to sidewalks or, like, roads and stuff. I heard there was a really bad, like, pileup in Texas because of some ice on a, a highway. Oh, that stuff's scary, guys. And then um, it's it's supposed to start raining here in 30 minutes at uh, mm. 68 degrees outside at night it's it's a little little not cold um here in florida we are we ignored the groundhog we're like no no winter's over sir (laughs) um so it's it's been kind of kind of warm but starting to rain suddenly and my dog hates the rain oh Um, that's right so yeah so i'm i'm pretty sure i'm gonna have a rough night sleeping tonight because he's gonna be panting and uh he has major anxiety and the the pills we have to like help him with anxiety you gotta like time it perfect or it seems like once he gets going it's over like you don't have a choice and we don't like to give it to him because he he does become very like like high i guess is the only way to describe him. he's just kind of like <laughs> staring off into space and he's kind of oblivious to what's happening and you, you feel bad because you don't want to like you know take away his senses because he's a very loving dog and, he's a great dog um Unless he's like panting or he thinks I'm attacking Kathy. Like when I when I kiss Kathy goodbye in the morning, he is such a jerk. I literally will walk him, come back inside, and then he like immediately knows I'm gonna go say goodbye to Kathy and will like get on the bed and like protect her and growl at me. And I'm like, dude, we've done this for years. Like, can this please end? Like, I do not like it. Um, like I know, like I don't know. It's just it's so funny because like he'll protect me over all of them like if anyone's threatening me he loses it he's not okay with it but he is even if kathy oh yeah yeah no he does not like anyone messing with me he knows i'm the alpha so he protects me (laughs) but then he tries me in the morning he's such a he's got such a weird personality because he tries (laughs) me so hard in the morning um he's like he's not on his game yet yeah well you know and i get it because she's sleeping so like she's vulnerable whatever but you know it's literally like I'm like, dude, you trust me to walk you? Like you'll give me crap about walking him. Like he he gets some days like I don't even have like I'm not even remotely dressed, and he's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, dude, you got to give me a second. Like this is not decent. <laughs> yeah, like I gotta I gotta put some clothes on, and and then like other days, you know, 
but then immediately when we come back, he's just like, I hate you. I'm like, but dude, I just took you out. Like, we should be on the same page here. So, I don't know. He's, he's a good dog. He just, he has weird little idiosyncrasies. And again, it's probably going to rain tonight. And he's probably going to freak out. It's not just thunder. That's what, if it were just thunderstorms, it would be all right. But it's just rain. And it's really been since the last hurricane where we didn't have power for like three days. Um, he's been really freaked out by storms. So, we just have to, we just deal with it. Uh, that was... We had a rude awakening, I think it was last Saturday night, it rained really bad, and like, it was like three in the morning when it started raining, he woke us up, like, he was basically hovering over our head, like, hyperventilating, just like, panting away, and then when he's panting, he drools, so like, whoever is unfortunate enough to be underneath his panting, you're getting slobbered on, and yeah, it's it's something, but good duck, good, and he's gonna really lose it, because Kathy's not here this weekend, so he's gonna be super stressed out. Um, so yeah, that's I'm gonna be taking care of a dog. But um, but other than snowpocalypse, is your week been okay, Corey? Uh, I'm glad it's. I'm just. I don't know. Working for the weekend. <laughs> I don't know. I spared you guys singing to you. That's why I'm like in my head. I'm like, wait, are, are we singing a song? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I sing to my cats all day, guys. Um, mm. I just, I don't know. I think that quarantine's getting to me, man. It, it's it not the first that. time, and it won't be the no. last time. And it doesn't help that it, like, snows, because, like, it, you're kind of like, well, now I'm extra trapped. Like, I was already trapped, <laughs> but now I'm, like, snow trapped. It's, like, double whammy. Um, it's like the Overlook, what? Yeah, I, you know, um, I listen to uh, this news podcast called uh, What A Day, and they, they call themselves WAD, W-A-D, you know, What A Day, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I've listened to them for about a year, I think, and I like them a lot. They're a daily news show, uh, Monday through Friday. It's like a 20-minute kind of recap of everything that happened the day before. And every once in a while, they'll have guests. And they've had a few guests this this year, even. Um, all remote. It's all done remote. So it's not, you know, um, heads up, it is a very liberal-leaning, like, news podcast. Like, they're, they're not shy about that. I would say they are more up front. Where, like, I feel like CNN tends to, like, try to act like they're unbiased but they're clearly biased mm-hmm. wad's more upfront about it so just, you know know that but um they had dr fauci on today mm. which is by far the biggest guest they've ever had like i was like really shocked and um i could uh one of the hosts name is akila and i could tell by her voice and she had this like weird giggle that she was like fangirling out <laughs> over like having dr fauci on their podcast and <laughs> Um, I had forgotten until afterwards, but she just got a dog. Like she just adopted a dog recently and named it Fauci. So <laughs> it was like super surreal that they got Fauci on. Um, and like it reminded me of Parks and Rec when she meets Biden, um, <laughs> and like loses it. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a good episode. And Dr. Fauci is just really, I just love listening to him speak because he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Unlike so many other people who have spoke about the pandemic. Um, and again, I'm not saying I, I think he knows everything or anything, but I also think he admits that constantly. Like he's like, well, here's what we do know. And here's what we don't know. And it's like, yeah, I like when you speak, man, I like it. Um, but on another note, I'm looking at the stack of DVDs. I bought this really awesome box set from Amazon this week. It was 20 movies for $20. Warner brothers, best picture winners for the entirety of, of Oscars. And um, I have some of the movies already, which is always lame, but it, it happens with the box set, but I couldn't resist a dollar a disc basically. Just, 
Yeah, and even for the movies that you're missing, you wouldn't be able to buy them for that, you know. Right, right. And more, like, within the same day that I ordered it, it jumped back to $60 for the box set, and that was still on sale. Holy heck. So, I don't know if I just got, like, a lucky price break, but, and this isn't a huge but, but it's an aggravating but, I get my box set, I open the plastic, and I start hearing, like, like, like plastic pieces. And one of the three plastic containers is, like, busted so bad. Um, and I'm like, oh, that's so aggravating. Because this is, like, these aren't, like, a single disc, like, thing. This is where I could just swap it out. I don't have anything like this. So I, I'm just with a broken box now. Where I'm like, that's lame. And I probably could complain and get another one. But, I, you know, I got such a good deal. I'm just like, fine. It's fine. The discs are all fine. That's what matters. Oh, that's good. So, um, but... That's that's pretty much been my week. Uh, it's been a little busy at work and with you know stuff going on and um, just shenanigans and playing some uh, games with some friends. Um, not feeling like I have like I I find this weird balance right now where I I have time but I feel like I shouldn't have time so like I'm panicked that I should be doing more, but then I'm like no look all my stuff is graded I've I've checked my emails for my my college classes and I've responded to people. Um, I think I'm actually I'm I'm I've gotten into a, a routine with this online learning thing where I think I'm actually just now I don't I'm not having to plan as much as I was when it first started because I've kind of got everything in a flow at this point. Mm-hmm. And so that that always feels pretty good. Um, and I, I, I do want to give a, a quick little shout out because, you know, um, teaching. Teaching is a stressful job with. Uh, we have feedback from all sorts of different places, most of whom probably hated school when they were there. Uh, a lot of the people who decide they want to give feedback about teachers and stuff probably hated teachers. And um, so often our job is not only stressful, but uh, it's it, it feels very much like, why do we do this? We don't get paid nearly as much money as we deserve. Um, we And of course, people who don't like teachers would say, yeah, you do they're they're wrong we don't especially the amount of hours i put into this job outside of the job but i i do teach because i love my students like that is 100 percent, you know why it matters to me why i do it and to, uh today i had um two different guidance counselors they're, they're having students sign up for bright futures and uh during this time as they they had like a check-in survey to make sure they were there because it's half online half our home or whatever um, sorry, half our school, half our online. And uh, they had um, check in, how are you doing with your senior year kind of stuff. And the last question on the survey was, re, uh, please list one or more staff members you would like to thank at the high school. Share a message with them below and it, uh, they will pass it along. And so I, I had a, I had several of my seniors uh, put my name down. And um, I haven't got to see all of their messages yet, but I did get to see one so far. And it's just little things... Um, like that that like this is why i do it because i made this one kid's life not feel miserable for the time they're with me every every other day you know like that they they enjoy the class they enjoy that they're what we do they enjoy that even through a zoom call i can make them laugh you know um and that those things are the reasons why i've continued to teach um even after i got a master's degree in information technology i could go into the it field and probably start even at an entry level twenty thousand dollars more a year but I like what I teach and I like who I get to teach and things like that, no matter how stressed out this year gets with the, the pandemic and all that is why. 
Um, and I know that's true for most of my colleagues. The, those of us who do this, we do it because we're trying to make the future a better place. And we know that the kids that we work with are the ones who can do that. So uh, thank you, those of you who uh, listen and also, um, you know, come to class on time and do your work because you make this job worth doing. That said, thank you. Let's get into what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. Corey, you going to go first or you can go second? I'll go first. All right. Okay. I finished pushing daisies. Mm. It wraps up a little better than I had remembered it wrapping up, but it's still very abrupt. Just so you know. Watched um, Headcount on Shudder. Okay. It was pretty good. I think it just came out. I think it came out the day I watched it. Maybe I'm lying. I watched like 75% of the rest of America. The Framing Britney documentary. I did too. Dude. I've been feeling for Britney for a long time. Not a fan of her music. Although at this point in my life, if she ever toured again, I think I would go see her. Um, dude. Oh, if she does another Vegas residency. But, um, yeah. And I hope you all saw JT's Apology Today. Because that's been a long oh. time coming. Um, I, wa- I watched uh, the first episode of The Pharmacist on Netflix. Which is one of their docuseries. Uh. Um, I watched... Okay, I was supposed to watch the movie of the week on Wednesday, and I was like, I'm just going to watch one episode of Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which is about Elisa Lam. I was like, I'm going to watch one episode. I watched all four episodes. Dang. I did did still work out that night, and we did have dinner, (laughs) and then besides that, it was just that documentary. And then... I've been watching that uh, Murderous Affairs, which is not the best show ever, but it's good to have on in the background when I'm like on my lunch or something. And I also finished Reno 911. Oh, man. Season six. I didn't remember it just stopping. It just stops. Why do they do that all the time? People stop watching it, I think. Yeah. The last uh, season was not as good. And they removed like three of the, the officers sorry it's a spoiler but it's been off for a while yeah so that's what i've been watching how about you well i'll start with just tv um i i watched it this morning i watched uh wandavision episode six um I'm, I'm really enjoying that show if you're a marvel fan and not watching that show for some reason i highly recommend that you stop it's great you should totally watch it um I also, uh, technically, apparently Letterbox is, is having Framing Britney Spears as a kind of, it's it's over an hour, so I guess it qualifies as a movie. Um, it is part of that, the uh, New York Times series, um, which I'm kind of curious about. I kind of want to watch some of the other uh, docs that they've done. I didn't realize it was a series, but uh, what drew me into the Framing Britney Spears, aside from like, I, I've really grown to like these kind of uh, biopic, not biopic, but like documentaries about artist in general and i i am familiar with her story because her story was so covered by paparazzi right and like mm-hmm. britney's i think we're the same age i think we're like a couple of months She's apart. 39 yeah i will be 39 in august so um she must just barely be older than me and so i kind of like you know i i never liked her music either because i was into like hard rock and it was just not cool and she was also taking spots of trl from bands that i liked like limp biscuit or corn or whatever and um 
but I never hated her for, by any means, you know? And again, like there was always that kind of kinship that she was my age. And so it was cool that she, her career was like doing all the stuff that she was doing. And then I remember when she like had to freak out and all of that and it was crazy. And it was just, um, uh, but the, they, there's two people they interview that do a podcast, um, about her. Oh yeah. Uh, but, but I have followed Babs on Instagram for like a year or two or maybe more, uh, cause she's a standup comic as well. And she does like three other podcasts and, um, I don't know her or anything like that. I'm not, I, but I've, I've known who she was and I was like, but I've like, I only really know her as an Instagram personality, like even as a standup comedian, like, I don't believe she has any specials or anything, uh, that were readily available that I've seen. Um, I, I don't remember even for sure how I came across her. I think she was on a podcast that I listened to or something. And, um, so like seeing that she was in this documentary was kind of what sparked my, I'm like, I didn't realize. And I'm like, that's, I had no idea. So, uh, I was, it was cool to like see that part of it too, just cause it's someone I'm familiar with in another context and like seeing them as like this, you know, crusader almost, uh, to, for this cause, which, uh, I, I do hope to see some change cause it is, it's crazy. Like the idea of a conservatorship is crazy. Um, I, I like, I can't imagine, especially cause they can like, make so many every decision for her it's it's that's scary like the I, idea of losing all of your freedom yeah and i kind of love how she stood up for herself like um it's not a spoiler um at vegas when she was supposed to start another residency yeah and just let she's not working <laughs> until it's her choice I don't know. And I think that it is very interesting because this all seems to spark from that small little like movement of her fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, and the podcast is kind of following along with that as well. It's, um, you know, it's good because it seems like someone's getting, you know, like it seems like Britney's really being screwed with the way it's, it's playing out. So hopefully that will, this documentary will hopefully help her get, freedom or at least because she's not even fully fighting for freedom she just doesn't want her father to be the one making all the decisions and from the documentary that sounds like the right call like he does not seem like he has her best interest in in place Mm-mm. um but so uh those are the two shows that i watched um technically again with the other thing but watched a lot of movies this week um seven i uh introduced my daughter to seven um I I still love that movie. I haven't watched it in years. Uh, the lust, ha- the lust, sin, murder has always haunted me. It's like the most disturbing thing I saw as like a fifteen year old or sixteen year old. Um, especially I love that Fincher makes it that disturbing, and yet you don't see anything. You're just told what happens, and you see a a picture of a device, but it is haunting enough, and implants the the imagery in your mind, which is probably even worse than what would have ever been allowed to be on screen because your mind just is like, Oh my God, what? And it's a nightmare. And it still bug. It still bothered me as much as it did back in 96 or 97 when I saw this for the first time, I guess I was like 14. Um, but a really good movie still holds up uh, other than Kevin Spacey. That's the worst part about it. He's great yeah. as an actor, but man, it sucks that he's it, such an awful person. It does make it hard to watch stuff. I tried to rewatch um, American beauty not that long ago and I couldn't mm-hmm. make it through. Yeah. And, uh, my friend was over and I was telling him that Taylor watched seven for the first time. And he's like, Oh, have you ever seen usual suspects? And it's like, yeah, another great movie that he's freaking ruins now because you're going to have to always acknowledge that he's this awful person. Same thing. Um, Oh, it's gone. What's the uh, really great noir movie that he's in. 
LA Confidential. Oh. Um, another awesome movie, but he's freaking in there wrecking it. Uh, watched Malcolm and Marie for our bloody awesome movie podcast. That's the new uh, Lakeith. Nope, sorry. No. Lakeith Sample movie came out today. And I can't wait to watch it. This is the John David Washington and Zendaya film um, where it's just the two of them uh, waxing poetic about Hollywood and celebrity. And it's it's gorgeous. The movie looks amazing. Um, Matt and I both found it kind of underwhelming, not bad, but just also like, ugh, okay, it's a little intolerable uh, at times. Not the performances, the performances are fantastic, but just uh, as a whole. Um, I watched An American in Paris. This is a uh, musical that is on the top 100 AFI list um, that I've been meaning to get to uh, for some time because Gene Kelly is in it, and I'm a big Singing in the Rain fan. Um, I found American in Paris to be a bit boring uh and i like musicals but i don't love all musicals and this one didn't really click for me um i found like a lot of the musical elements were more into the dance and less into the song and i'm definitely more of a song musical person than i am the dance like i like the dance but i need a good song to like pull me in so that i'll watch the dance like i love singing in the rain i love the lyrics and then i'm all about the dance because i'm into the song right um american paris i was just like okay i am i'm good um, but I did learn that the final scene in La La Land is heavily inspired from this movie. Hmm. Um, even like the art style, because, you know, like when when they're going through the kind of flashback of or the could have been seen in La La Land. Um, it's all like it's like scenes we'd seen in the movie before, but now it's like half drawn or it's like, you know, it looks like paintings. Like it's, we know it's not the real place. That is straight out of this movie. And I had no idea until I watched it. So that was cool. That's why we watch older movies is you want to see where these older movies influence modern day directors. I love seeing those connections and stuff like that. Um, and then I decided I wanted to finish one of these lists and I, I only had two movies left on the empire top 100 of all time list, the empire magazine. And, but they were two long movies, uh, both directed by Sergio Leone, um, the good, the bad and the ugly. And once upon a time in the West, I watched both of them and Halfway through the good, the bad, and the ugly, I was like, this is so long. I don't understand. But by the end, I loved this movie so much. I was just like, okay, well, there that was a turn I didn't see coming. I didn't know how into it I was. I have realized over the years, I tend to like Westerns way more than I ever would have thought that I would like Westerns. Um, and this one in particular, I just think there's so much cool stuff in it. And you see a lot of influences uh, in other movies and in non-Westerns. Um, like to me, there's a scene, uh, it's set like during the civil war time. Um, there's a scene where I'm like, this feels like apocalypse now. Like this scene reminds me of apocalypse now so much. And apocalypse now is many years after this and definitely would have been in this movie's clearly an influence for, uh, for, um, for Coppola. Sorry. I could not get that out. Um, and once upon a time in West, I also liked a lot. I didn't like as much as the good and bad and the ugly, but it was, it was really good. Um, then Wednesday, I watched Tango and Cash, as uh, we will talk about momentarily. And then last night, oh man, I, I've been meaning to watch this movie for a while. I watched Videodrome, oh. which is the uh, um, David Cronenberg film. And I know this about Cronenberg. I uh, He's obviously, if you know anything about Cronenberg, mm. he's known for his body horror. There was a scene early that I was like, nope, I don't think I can watch this. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through uh, this movie and also there's an element of this film I didn't know. Um, and it's in it's. I'm going to say it because it's in the synopsis, but uh, James Woods is the the lead who, again, is a little problematic, not nearly as problematic as Kevin Spacey, but a little problematic. 
Um, but it says when he happens upon Videodrome, a TV show dedicated to gratuitous torture and punishment. I didn't know that part of this. And so when I started the movie, there's an early scene of like a torture type scene happening. And I'm just like, oh, no, I don't know if I can sit through 90 minutes of this. Um, that's what made me pick this. I was looking. I had 90 minutes to fit into watching a movie before I had to go to the gym. And I'm like, oh, cool. I've been meaning to watch this one. It's 90. It's 88 minutes or something. So I'm like, perfect. Boom. I, it's I, I really like the movie, but there were some scenes that were really hard for me to sit through. Um, I don't do the body horror stuff very well. And it's it's Cronenberg level body horror, so it gets it gets pretty brutal at times. Um, but uh, I found it interesting. A lot of what it's saying about like media and how we consume media is it almost feels like it was uh, prescient. Like it's even more so now because of the ubiquitous of media is always on our phones. Um, so I, yeah, I was it, it crazy how well it, if anything how not even well it holds up as much as it like predicted uh, a lot of our behavior and horribleness. Um, all these years ago, back in 1983. I haven't seen it yet. Ah, well, I won't say anything else. That is what we've been watching. And what we're going to do right now is take a quick little break. And when we come back, we're going to get to our review of Tango and Cash from 1989. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watched Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. So, as I said, Tango and Cash, 1989, uh, directed by uh, two guys. Um, oh, I'm not going to say that name right. Andrew <laughs> Konchalovskia and Albert Mang- Magnolia. Uh, or Magnolia, sorry, it's not. there's no O. Oh boy, Conchal, Oh boy, that is a that is a Russian name that I can't say. Um, so stars though I can say the stars name: Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell, Terry Hatcher, Jack Palance, most known from Shane, uh, Brian James, James Hong, who's in tons of things, um, Mark Alamo, and Philip Tan. I feel like there's oh Robert Czar seems important, but he's not super recognizable. There's some other recognizable faces. Roy Brocksmith is in a bunch of stuff. He's, popular character actor um written by randy feldman has a 41 metascore which i was a little surprised when i saw that um and it's it's a low rotten tomatoes score. i think it's like a, in the 30s for rotten tomatoes um 6.4 imdb user score um cory this was your pick uh for bromance what did you think about tango and cash that it was much better than some of the other movies i've chosen <laughs> just throughout our movie club career Mm -hmm. i um man they go in hard at the beginning with the rambo stuff oh my god the rambo (laughs) joke was so bad it was like a perfect 80s cheese though it was just i don't know so i i mean i liked it i don't need to watch it again but i was entertained it wasn't life-changing. So, this is not the first time I will ever say this uh, or oh have God. said this. No, this movie is saved only because of Kurt Russell. Um, if if you like Kurt Russell as much as I apparently do, I, I think he might be one of my favorite actors. He works for me in almost every movie. And even when the movie around him is bad, 
I tend to like what he is he's doing a enough that I'm. It, well, and he's his level of snark. Um, because he's not. He's not. I don't know. There's like. There is the swagger that he brings to the roles that I really get behind, and because he's cool, but it's also like there's there's still this level of I'm an everyman that comes across with him that you don't get with some of the other yeah, actors, and that's that's true. Right, right, and that's what Bruce Willis always did for me back in the old days too. Is Bruce Willis was the everyman, and Kurt's got that because he's not super jacked. Like he's not he's he's don't get me wrong, he's a muscular guy, but he's not like Stallone. Or Schwarzenegger, where he's just like over the top, which was the same with Willis. But he also has a sense of comedy, which Stallone is the sore thumb in this. He his comedic timing is not good. And I constantly found his jokes to, to fall flat. Um, I, I didn't like them painting him as the smug guy. Which I get why I do. I get why you have this kind of opposites attract type dynamic with them. But I, man, he's already not very funny. And I've seen him in other comedies. I've never really found Stallone to be good at comedy, right? He's good as Rocky when Rocky makes a little passing joke. But he's not good as, like, trying to be funny. Because, like, Rocky's just being a dude, right? Like, he's being a dude and sometimes people are funny. That just happens. But when you're doing a comedy and you're trying to land jokes, it just does not flow with him. To me, at least, like... And the Rambo joke was one where, you know, it, it they feel so scripted. It feels like he's reading the lines um, where Russell has this natural delivery. He just feels like he's being himself and the jokes come out. And some even when the jokes feel like very clearly that was a written script, someone wanted to land it. Russell has so much charisma that it, I'm just behind it. It's to be fair. That's kind of how I feel with Ryan Reynolds, too. Ryan Reynolds, I get a lot of people don't like him. He works for me in every... I don't think I've ever seen him in anything where I don't laugh because I like him. He wins me over. Yes, he's very clearly Ryan Reynolds and all those things, but I like that. So it's it works for me. Um, and Kurt Russell is the same. And old old Bruce Willis movies. Bruce Willis has given up on that. Russell still brings this energy. If you saw the Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2, he brings this energy to being Santa Claus, and I love those movies for that reason. They're not good. I don't think either one of them is super good. The first one is definitely better than the second one, but I like Russell enough that I have fun with those movies. I'm also a sucker for a Christmas movie, but here I I initially was very not into this. I was like, oh man, these jokes are real bad. But then Russell showed up and I was in, I was like, all right, cool. So- and once they get together, I was rooting for him, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was I was on board. Yeah, and I was going to say, at least with the jokes starting like that, there was only one way to go, and that was up. That's, you know what? That's good. That's a very true point, because they start with Stallone, and you're just like, oh, God, this is not funny. And then you get Russell, and that is probably part of why you start with Stallone, is because it's not as good. It's not as good. And you aren't, I think at first you're not supposed to like Tango as much, because he is kind of stuck up and snobby. And Cash is the opposite. He's supposed to be. It's almost like, what if the odd couple were cops? You know, um, you have the the hoity-toity, you know, money guy who's all about his stocks, which don't I don't buy for a second with it, Stallone either, by the way. But um, and then you have the guy who's like his shirts ripped and his he probably hasn't washed any clothes in months, and um, and then they end up having to work together. But they're both the best cops. Um, but nobody likes them for those reasons. Like it, it's you know. It, it works. It, and again, I like him. Um, the 
the story was what really threw me. I was I was expecting a more traditional cop story, and that's not what we get. Um, which isn't a complaint, but it was it wasn't what I was expecting. No, and I felt like the pacing was really weird too. It yeah, it's it's not even two hours. The movie's hour forty four minutes, but it did feel long at times. And well, like even at the beginning, I'm like, am I missing something? Because I felt like. There was so much kind of going on. Hmm. So. Yeah, and it, it, it's definitely got a lot of contrivances, and it's it's fine. Um, it is also, it's got that, the 80s action where, like, the violence gets a little excessive, and, like, they're killing people a little too willy-nilly, um, which is much more problematic, I think, in today's time where we're, it's not as... You know, you, you want more consequences for people taking someone's life than to just be like, ha ha, next. You know, like there, there's no remorse. Even uh, Russell, this is the very beginning. He gets shot twice in the chest. And I'm just like, why isn't he dead? And then apparently he's just like casually wearing a bulletproof vest. So good thing. But because um, I'm like, I'm like, wow, he starts off this movie dead. That's interesting. How are they going to turn this? Like, how are they going to turn this around? Go now. <laughs> um, but. Uh, I think th- that's all I can say without getting into spoilers. I do have a little bit of stuff I want to talk about in spoilers. What do you think? Sure. Guys, from here on out, we're going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned. So, um, I knew right away that Terry Hatcher was not his girlfriend. Uh, Tango's girlfriend. Because I feel like they want you to think they are in a relationship and she's breaking up with him and he's too like smug to really care. Like he cares a little bit, like don't leave kind of thing. But at the same time, he's like not. And I'm just like, I don't think that's his girlfriend. They're playing, they're dancing around what their relationship is too yeah. much to it be like a thing. So then later it's supposed to look like he's, uh, cash is basically cheating with her, even though they're not actually doing anything, but that's definitely what we're, you know, is supposed to play. And I, that it feels so, they went through so many hoops to make those jokes work to only have the reveal that it's not. And I'm just like, it. see, that was, it was so obvious. That's what you were doing though. But, um, I, I was a fan of Lois and Clark as a kid, the, the Dean Kane Superman and Terry Hatcher as Lois. So I was always kind of a fan of, of Terry Hatcher because of that. Uh, I didn't, in my head, she didn't exist until that show. Then, like, I found out as I've gotten to be an adult that she's had a career for a long time prior to that show. But um, that was, like, I became aware of her because of Lois and Clark. So I was a little, it was kind of interesting seeing her in this uh, for that reason. Because, like, I I don't think I've seen a lot of her old movies. So, ladies, pardon. Um, the villains felt <laughs> kind of silly, too, right? Like, I feel like with so many 80s movies, they do, though. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. But like, because you have the, yeah, you have the big bad is Jack Palance, um, who's like, his plan is, is bigger than the other two. Uh, like there's a, what is it? A, the Chinese mafia. And I, is it the Russian mob that the other guy's supposed to be? Like, I couldn't quite tell what we were. There was clearly three different governing bodies who were selling drugs and, um the palance is the the kind of the godfather type figure who he has final say in how they deal with the two cops that are that are a thorn in the side yet the two cops don't even know about him 
which I found like I was like, wait a minute, hold up. Like he's got their number, but like, he doesn't need to insert himself because they don't even know they're looking for him. They're just shutting down like small time drug deals, not well big time drug deals, but still like they don't know there's this big boss guy. So they're not looking for the guy. And he like gets them arrested, sets them up in a way that's kind of funny. The court scene's really funny to me because you know, <laughs> when uh, Cash talks, he just you know, cracks some funny jokes. He wasn't supposed to talk. <laughs> he was not supposed to talk. Um, but they end up in jail. Uh, the whole like they end up in real jail, even though they are told they're going to end up in like the you know minimum security club. prisons. Yeah, and uh, real jail is entertaining like the scenes are a little crazy um some of the the villains there are some of the criminals are super over the top um the one guy's name is literally face, face. Uh, um <laughs> i mean it makes sense <laughs> i mean he's got a big face um but like all of that like the the thing that gets me that wins me over aside from kurt russell and his his charm i do like friendships being formed and i i believed tango cared about cash at you know like uh the scene where they like they're electrocuting cash yeah. tango's upset and like I, I bought that and that kind of was where i really started to feel a connection to the film where i wasn't just like okay i'm watching this because i have to i was like oh no not cash because again i am already on board with kurt russell and tango is like kind of my surrogate right he's now all he was uh, totally against cash and now suddenly he's like cash you know i'm like yeah do something about it and I never love Stallone in this movie, but I love I love uh, Russell so much that it it, it, it was engaging. So I, I can't deny I, I ultimately had fun watching this. Um, I do think it's bad. But like you said, a lot of 80s action is bad. And so it is enjoyable. There's definitely better 80s movies to watch. Obviously, Die Hard, not bad. Nothing, nothing wrong with Die Hard at all. I haven't watched Rambo in years. I've heard the first one's still really great. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this as a kid either. And I, I kind of want to, but I also don't. Um, a, a Terminator, great. You know, but there's some bad Schwarzenegger movies. There's some bad Stallone movies. And there's some bad Bruce Willis films, for sure. Um, and this is just one that's like, it's definitely, like, feels like a TBS movie, right? Like, yes. if it were on, totally uh, see just throwing it on in the background. Maybe they cut out some of the more violent things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. It's very violent. Don't get, That's not what I mean. I just mean, like, it's one... I probably would not actively turn this on oh, again. Oh, but if it was on, you wouldn't turn it. I probably wouldn't turn it off. Yeah, because it's, it's especially for moments. There are moments where I would be hooked in. Like the whole end scene is like the whole end raid is pretty watchable, right? And um, even the scene where they're escaping like through the electricity and stuff is, is a very watchable series of events that if that were on, I would be like, okay, I'll just finish the scene and then I'll go back to doing what I was doing before. Fair. Yeah, I felt. I mean, I can't remember a lot of action movies from. I don't. I don't watch a lot of action movies, guys. Um, and like, I haven't like watched the ones from when I was a kid really in a long time. I don't know. I like you grew up on Arnold Schwarzenegger and you know all of these guys, but I can't remember a lot of it. But I feel like. I felt like some of the action in this was different than I remember because they use a lot of electricity. <laughs> like they do, they kept using it. They like the scenes with them electrocuting them was scary in the water. 
Oh, yeah. And, like, they're all tied up and stuff. And then when they're, like, trying to... They go down... Dude, I thought that, like, power lines could electrocute you. Well, he makes up a reason why that's not entirely true, right? I don't know if that's accurate. He's like, you have to be grounded or touching another wire. I do recall oh, something about touching another wire. Okay, that's fair. Okay, that makes sense. Um, And then when they're running through those power... I don't know what those are called. Yeah, I don't either. Like, the... the, the pillars of electric yeah. like where all the wires kind of meet uh, uh, towers i don't know for sure what they call them but i know exactly what you're talking about yes there was just i just was noticing that there is a lot of electricity <laughs> in this movie and i don't know if i can remember a movie really doing that so i felt like it was different in that way at least yeah um i'm flipping through like the imdb user reviews and I get people liking this movie, but there are a lot of people giving this 10 out of 10. And I was like, I think that though, like if it, it, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I know that we have movies that we would give a 10 to the other people would be like, what? Of course, movies are subjective. I get that. I just, I just know, like, especially the ones that are saying best eighties action. I'm just like, come on, hold on. There's so many like great action movies from the eighties. As I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, lethal weapon is like mm. if we're talking buddy comedy that's my go-to to be fair leave the weapon one a little darker they lean away from the comedy for a lot of it because the whole suicide arc for mel gibson's character but leave the weapon two they go heavy on the comedy and still leave the weapon one still is a comedy don't get me wrong I, but i can see why maybe it's not as funny yeah i was re-watching that recently ish and it's very dark i feel like yeah the first one especially but there's still humor in it yeah but yeah, it is it is a little darker. Um, but I, I love the Lethal Weapon one and two uh, a lot. I'm a big uh, I'm trying to think buddy comedies here or buddy um, action movies, and that is that isn't the trend in the '80s, right? The, the trend no. is the the single action hero guy. Like you have Stallone's in a lot of movies like that. Uh, Schwarzenegger's in a lot of movies like that. Willis gets Die Hard, and then he doesn't really break off again till the '90s with his his action. But um, Hudson Hawk being the best and you know um and obviously there's a great example of what you just said i love hudson hawk i admit though that I, it's not a 10 out of 10 movie well, i love it but it is it a, would you if you're so i think that like when we look at how we're rating movies we'll each often give like well this is a must see for me but i think that it's a blah 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 for somebody else but maybe other people don't do that maybe if it's a must see to yeah, them it's well, a you're right it's a must see i know it, it's i guess it's that natural instinct though like it, when you feel like it is something you just can't wrap your head around what someone else is seeing and that's for me and i, I admit i i like stallone in very specific roles i love him in in the role of rocky but only really in rocky one two and creed and then i'm like okay i'm good for the most part i mean I, there's good moments in other movies but it, the the later rocky films are not the best um but i love oh the rain started uh i love creed I love him in Rocky um, and Rocky two, I think is still pretty strong. Uh, you know, there's some other stuff, but I, I haven't seen Rambo in a long time. I don't like the last Rambo movie. That was really not good. Um, and I dislike him in so many things. Like, I don't know if you ever saw stop and my mom will shoot or um, what was it? Mm. Oscar. Like those movies are not good. And it's him. He can't pull off the comedy. And that's what I still feel is the weakness here. 
And I think why I have this kind of like knee jerk reaction is if people were just like Kurt Russell's a ten out of ten, but Stallone's like a five. Cool, I would agree with that. But I don't, I I can't see like Stallone, especially when you compare him, because to me that's kind of what hurts him is Kurt Russell is so on point. And I do think you need a foil, but he's not playing a straight guy. Like, uh, sorry, a straight man. As in, he's not like not making jokes. He's still making jokes. They're just not landing. as well timed or landing like Russell's are. And again, it's partly Russell's demeanor. I mean, you watch like Big Trouble Little China. Russell's just got the timing down. And um, again, even in movies that are a little more serious, uh, Russell still is able to pull comedy. Plus, Russell, a lot of people don't remember, he started as a kid actor, right? Um, for like Disney movies and stuff. But where I... I did not first see him, but I just recently watched Used Cars, which is uh, the second Robert Zemeckis film, directed film, and Kurt Russell's the lead. And it's a straight-up comedy. Like, there's no action. It is a comedy. And it's hilarious because of Russell and some other things. But Russell is so good in that movie. Um, and again... Just... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just, I, I'm clearly just a huge Kurt Russell. I didn't even know this until the last couple of years. Like I'm very late to the Kurt Russell game. Like I had seen the, uh, the thing before and I'd seen a few other movies, but it is in the recent last two or three years that I've become aware of how much I love Kurt Russell. Like I am such a huge fan of Kurt Russell. Um, and I, this movie just is another one for me where I'm just like, yeah, Russell's spot on. I love him. I think he's great. Agreed. And I was going to say, he's just, he seems like one of those people that's just good at everything. <laughs> And I got to say, one of the things that I think I do love about him even more is his relationship with um, Goldie. with Gold Hawn, right? I know. Like, I was thinking about that while I was watching this movie. Yeah, they've just had this, like, when you hear so many negative things about celebrity couples and stuff, for their relationship to have lasted forever, like, Years? since Overboard. And the, um, I don't really know. It's a long time. It's so, it's so great. And, like, they, she's in the Christmas Chronicle 2 with him, and... Um, I really like that, like the little dynamic that they're Mr. and Mrs. Claus. It's like, oh, um, you know, like I, I like that about them, too, because it just it makes me believe the everyman thing about him a little more that he's been able to make this long relationship work where you see so many other celebrities come and go with their, their relationships. And that's not necessarily Chris. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure. A lot of stress can happen. You're, you're under scrutiny all the time. So any fight you have is blown out of proportion. But that's one of the things, like, how did they, they managed to kind of stay under the radar for a lot of their career. And that's even more impressive in a lot of ways. So I just, I just am a big Kurt Russell fan. And like, I, I hadn't seen Tombstone until a few uh, weeks, or I guess it's probably been almost a year now. Cause I watched it like in the early stages of quarantine, but Tombstone's amazing. Um, and he's a huge part of that. So it's just, it's just, and uh, Bone Tomahawk, remember that movie? <gasps> have you seen yes like, he's so great I in bone tomahawk i think i watched it just in the last year and talk about body horror um yeah dang that movie was good i don't know why i slept on watching it so long but it was i mean amazing movies about cannibals are often easy to like, I mean, watch that later that movie was great <laughs> oh yeah it's so good and uh, again you're also not a big western fan Right. Um, the weird thing is that I, my some of my favorite scenes, though, I love, I just love the landscape so much in oh, westerns. Yeah. I just love them so much. 
that's one of the things I found really interesting with uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and um, once upon a time in the West is you do get those landscapes, but he shoots a lot of the actors like in real tight close-ups, um, and uh, I think it's yeah in the good, and the bad, and the ugly. The movie opens with the landscape shot that you expect from a western, but like a guy stands up and his face just fills the screen. Like, and it's so jarring because, you know, a lot of times with Westerns, you'll have these like really slow openings where you're just looking at this landscape for a long time as like a, a guy on horseback rides in and here it's just boom faces. And you're like, whoa, what is happening? Um, and I, I found that really sorry. It's not what we're talking about right now, but it just reminded me of it because I, I too have really grown to like Westerns. Did you watch Slow West yet? I have not. Oh, my gosh. It has the most beautiful like. I don't know. I think it's amazing. Well, and that's, and Russell's done some really great Westerns. Obviously also we can't forget he's in the hateful eight with Tarantino. Um, and have you, did you ever see, um, uh, the Tarantino grindhouse movie? Um, why can't I think of the title? It's the, Oh, it's a car one. Oh yeah. I watched it in theaters. I, I did not, but I mean, Russell is so big and so crazy in that. And I don't think when I watched it, I was fully on board with how much I love Kurt Russell at that point. I've seen a lot of Russell movies over the last couple of years. I, I just, I'm just kind of processing how I, to late I came that. to him. Yeah. I actually want to rewatch it now. Just thinking about it. Cause like, I'm like, I liked it when I saw it, but I am such a big fan of Kurt Russell right now. I totally would be vibing with the whole like smug stunt driver. Cause he starts with it when he's eating nachos. I just love the whole thing. He's just eating nachos, drinking beer. Um, it's just so great. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's in that movie. Uh, Ramona Flowers. Oh, yeah. Yep. See, Rosaria. But... Rosaria Dawson. Oh, yeah. There's the, the cast in that movie is actually like pretty, pretty crazy big, uh, especially the fact that it was a Grindhouse film. But um, that's, I think, all I have to say about Tango and Cash and without rambling on more about how much I love Kurt Russell. So, do you have anything else you want to add before we give our ratings? No. Um, I, I think I'm going to go decent watch. I, I would say leaning towards the positive of not quite golden, but I'm going to go decent watch. I think there's, I think Stallone does drag it down. I think there's some weird pacing things, and it's got the '80s camp. Um, but it, it's definitely it, it wins you over over time, especially again if you're a Kurt Russell fan. I'm going to totally agree with the decent watch. And there you have it, folks. Um, so. Next week, we're shifting gears. Uh, I think it's a, a little more in the dramatic category of a bromance. Um, I think. I could be wrong. I literally did not know this movie existed until we started doing our research. What? And uh, um, are you saying that I should have known? or No, just that you didn't. Oh. I, oh. It, it was not on my radar. It's called The Fisher King. Um, and I know I should have known it. And I probably did at some degree. Especially because I, I didn't realize this till the other day. It's a Terry Gilliam film um, a filmmaker who I don't love, but I keep realizing how like influential he is. I know that's a controversial statement. I know some people love Terry Gilliam. I love 12 monkeys. That is my favorite Terry Gilliam film, uh, movie. Sorry. Um, but you, he's most known for the Monty Python. Um, I love Holy Grail. Don't get me wrong, folks. I, I love Holy Grail. Um, I've not seen several of the other Monty Python films. I have seen Life of Brian, and that's it. Um, I have seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I like that movie. It's been a while since I watched it, but I did like it. Uh, recently watched Brazil for the first time. Matt and I did it as a, a Bantpocalypse episode back last uh, year, right after um, 
everything happened. Uh, didn't love Brazil. And understandably, it's a complex movie. It's not an easy film. Wasn't my vibe. Uh, I've been wanting to see Time Bandits. Haven't seen it. But very familiar with him as a filmmaker. Didn't realize that he did The Fisher King. And what really what like pulled me into Fisher King is the cast. Jeff Bridges, Robin Williams. I'm like, how do I not know about this movie? Um, so I'm very excited to give this a watch. Uh, that said, I know still very little about it. It, it seems like it's going to be... I mean, if you know anything about Terry Gilliam, it's going to have um, some humor to it because usually he's a little satirical. Um, and I wouldn't... It's listed on IMDb as a comedy, drama, fantasy. Gilliam's movies are cerebral, for sure. So I'm expecting that, too. Like, there's going to be probably some weird twist that I don't see coming. Um, and not in the plot, just in terms of, like, the world. Like, the world will have some weird element to it that we don't expect. Uh, oh, maybe this. Uh, two troubled men face their terrible destinies and events of their past as they join together on a mission to find the Holy Grail and thus to save themselves. Hmm. Yeah, I'm... I'm really excited to watch this movie it seems so zany and so so different um has a 3.8 on letterbox uh and then imdb has a 7.5 and the metascore does not exist it does not have a metascore apparently oh wait there it is i'm sorry 61 so not bad um I, i'm i'm excited to give this a watch uh you know again uh, terry gillen's movies do not always work for me but when they do they can work quite well so I'm hoping for that one again, especially because I, I'm a big Robin Williams fan and I tend to like Jeff Bridges. We spend a lot of time with his movies on this podcast um, and I like most of them. So, you know, excited to give this a watch. And you've not seen this either, right? No. Do, are you, uh, do you know Terry Gilliam? Are you into any of his movies that I mentioned there? Yeah, I've seen a couple of them. I've seen, I actually, uh, I'd seen at least some of 12 Monkeys a long time ago when it first came out um mm -hmm. for home viewing speaking of Bruce Willis yes I rewatched it uh not too long ago actually probably like six months or so ago and then um did you say he did Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas too yes yeah I've seen that I haven't seen it since I was like 17 or 18 though but I've seen some of them but they are strange yeah that's totally his mo 100 percent um like Brazil, I bought on Criterion um, cool. a while back. Uh, like it was one of the first Criterion purchases, I, and I think I bought it because my old bandmate and good friend um, had it on his. He uh, Craig did an episode of Top Five Movies, and I think it was one of his top five movies. So it was one of the first films I bought. Um, did not watch it for a, at least a year or two, um, and it it didn't work for me. I don't think it's a bad movie. It did not work for me. Um, and it didn't work for Matt either. We were both kind of like, okay, this is tough. Uh, there are some cool elements in it, but it was definitely really weird. I, it definitely feels like a movie that would benefit from multiple watches, but I also don't feel compelled to watch it again. So it's like, I don't know. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, next week. We'll be back to review that. Um, the Fisher King, not, not Brazil. Uh, but... In the meantime, if you like what we're doing here at the podcast, we ask that you take a few minutes to rate and review it wherever you listen to your podcast so that other listeners could potentially find our show. Uh, we would also love to hear from you. So you can reach out to us on social media at Burke Reviews for me and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. 
And we hope everything is cool wherever you are. Stay safe, be smart, and keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com.